welcome everyone to another episode of the Weekly Watch. I'm Mel and I will be talking about two films this week. The first one is Viceroy's House and the second one is Free Fire. Now you might not have heard of any of these two films. Um, I think they're not as widely known as uh, is usually the case with films that I seem to be watching. Or at least there's usually one film in, in my show, on my show that um, people know what the hell it's, it's about. Um, this time, this week, I'm, I'm sort of like catching up with the things that I've not been able to watch in, in recent weeks, and one of them is Viceroy's House. So in case you don't know what that's about, um, the reason why I'm watching it is it's um, it stars, among others, Gillian Anderson. I love Gillian Anderson. I can't wait till American Gods finally comes, um, you know, hits TV and, and, and Amazon and wherever else it's, it's screening because um, she's on that as well but Viceroy's house is um, about the final Viceroy of India um, a dude called Lord Mountbatten and he basically goes over to that's in like the 1940s um, it's shortly after the end of the Second World War it's 1947 and he is the last Viceroy to be appointed to British India but back then it was British India right so India was under the rule of the British Empire and they've basically decided to give India its independence um, for a variety of different reasons, right? But um, he is over—he's uh, basically tasked with like controlling, overseeing that transition from British India into India, um, into independence. And then, of course, as is always the case when stuff like that happens, there's like all kinds of different parties that are involved and everyone wants something different and, and everyone wants the most for their party and yada yada yada. So there's a lot of conflict and, and different sides are clashing and um, it's it, th there's a whole lot of stuff happening there and I didn't know anything really about it. Um, I didn't even know that India was still British India after the Second World War. I, I thought that was something that was concluded like way before then. So I had no bloody clue about this. So one of the things that's really cool about Viceroy's House as a film is that it's a bit of a history lesson. Now it's, it's not as dry as a history lesson, it's not as dry as reading a history book. There is some entertainment there, the performances are really decent and really good. Um, I really enjoyed that. It's not very emotional of a film which which I thought was really interesting considering everything that happens in there in in that time period I'm not sure but it was like was it a year or it was several months I think that that was going on and everyone in India is like yeah we're gaining our independence like everyone knows that's why the dude's there right you're just handing over the keys to India to whatever new government there is but that one of the things that I thought was really weird was I, I never really had the, like, like, like an idea of who is that new government of India. There was like two or three different factions and I was like, well, well who is actually, what's their government comprised of? Like, who is he handing it to? Have there been any elections and stuff? It's like, what, what the hell is going on? Because you can't just hand over a country to its people without there being some type of government in place because I mean anarchy is gonna ensue right and that's kind of what happens in this film so it's, it's really it's really um, fantastic and interesting to see because I didn't know anything about it and to give it a bit more of an emotional component director Grinda Chada you, you might know her from like Bended Like Beckham and stuff like that um, she 
includes um, you see the viceroy and his wife, and his wife is is played by Gillian Anderson. So you see like the the upper echelons of society uh, dealing with these things, and you see the political machinations and all like you know those A-listers up there, the, all the politicians that like deal with this entire bullshit of transitioning a country from A to B. And then to I thought to give it more emotional impact, we also see people in the servants' quarters, so to speak. You have uh, Mountbatten's manservant Jade, who just come into the viceroy's house to serve there, um, and he meets someone there, uh, someone he knows from his hometown, a young lady called Aaliyah, who also works in the viceroy's house. And these two basically have a thing for each other, and they're a bit of a couple. They're supposed to be the emotional component on the, of the film, and stuff happens to them as well um, when basically shit hits the fan because. Everyone wants something different. India is comprised of three uh, religions, uh, the Sikhs, the Muslims and the Hindus. And I didn't, for example, know that there are Muslims in India because by now, obviously, Muslims are, I don't want to say segregated off, but they have their own country now. It's called Pakistan, right? And the Sikhs and the Hindus are still in India. And this entire thing of India and Pakistan being two separate countries, that is what Viceroy's House is about. It is about the partition of what used to be British India into India as we now know it and Pakistan as we now know it. And all of that is due to, they, they basically, the British just wanted to give India back to the Indian people, which includes Sikhs, Muslims and Hindus, right? So they just wanted to give it back and then just bugger off. That would have been the ideal situation. But then, of course, people go like, oh, no, I want this. Oh, no, I want that. And as far as I remember, the Muslims were the minority in India, which is why they, they were sort of like second or third class citizens. And it, it, it wasn't really going well for them, which is why when this whole partition thing comes up, it was like, we want our own country. You know, it's, it's kind of like Israel and, and Palestine kind of thing. We want our own country. And... Other people were like, this is ridiculous. And it's, it's this whole like these political machinations that happen there. And all of this is on an entirely different level as opposed to what normal people like you and me would be dealing with. It's like we just have to deal with the fallout. You have people um, of a certain religion attacking other people of another religion um, because it's such a time of upheaval and unrest and uncertainty that everyone's like, what the hell is going on? And there's a lot of people being killed. There's a lot of people being displaced. Um, and the entire thing is, I think after everything was done, <coughs> the um, 1 million people had died in British India. 14 million people were displaced. It was the biggest migration in human history. Um, that happened in India and there were violent outbreaks and there was a lot of horrible stuff happening and the end result is that you basically just got some random dude who's just like drawing a, a line on a map and says okay everything west of this line is Pakistan everything east of this line is India and there you go and it's just one of those really weird things where you as a film I think it didn't really I don't want to say it didn't really work. I, I was really engaged with it and, and I thought there was a lot of stuff that it taught me about this because, like I said, I didn't know anything about this. I know a lot about the Second World War. Um, I mean, I'm German. You have to, you are taught that in, in high school. You have to know about these things. It's our heritage, right? So Germans are usually taught, especially if you do go to high school, 
you you know a lot about the Second World War. But I know the British were in, part of the Allied forces, but that's pretty much it. But I had not no idea about like British India and stuff like that. So. I, and I kind of like history a bit. I find it really interesting because what is in the past kind of informs who we are now and where we are going. So from that point of view, I thought it was really, really interesting to see what was happening there. Um, especially because I had no idea what was going to happen when I went to see this film. I just knew it was the, the time frame it was taking place in, who was in it. And I was like, well, I, I got to go and see this. Um, I like Gurinder Chada. I like her, her films. Um, she is also personally personally involved of course she's she's a director but at the end of the film you get these these um, cue cards where it gives you like some historical facts amongst them is like that 1 million people died and 14 million people were displaced and and it was the biggest migration in human history but we also find out why the director Gurinder Chala actually chose to make this film list because her grandmother was part of what happened there. Her grandmother was displaced and her grandmother, um, I think it was her grandmother who, who thought that she lost a child or was, was the, the, they lost a the child or they, it was displaced or something and they found the child later on, they emigrated to, to Britain. And they, they do it in a really nice way where they're like, and this happened and that happened and that happened. And then this girl was actually Gorinda Chada's um, grandmother and Gorinda Chada is the director of this film. And I thought this personal connection to this project and why, kind of explaining why the director chose to make this project was, was fantastic and it, it added an additional layer to it that I really did appreciate at the end of the film. I think I, um, I appreciated the film a lot more after it was over, after I'd seen everything, after I'd read the cue cards, after I understood the personal connection that the director had with the subject matter. Um, it, it kind of like made it a really nice whole, a really nice package of information. But that's also kind of what the... I don't really want to say downfall of the film is because it is a decent film. But I wasn't more connected to it, even though you have these two servants like Jeet and Aliyah. And uh, Aliyah is a Muslim and Jeet I think is a Hindu or was he a Sikh? I can't remember now. But Aliyah is a Muslim, so she was supposed to go to Pakistan. They were supposed to live in different countries all of a sudden, even though they kind of... Well, they didn't grow up together, but they, they have some kind of common history with each other. Really powerful history with each other. And they're clearly in love with each other. And now, because of India being partitioned, all of a sudden they are of different nationalities. And the, the film really manages to show really well that even when you have someone overseeing something like this happening, like the British did with this, um, there's always bloodshed. You just can't not have bloodshed when something like this happens. It's, it's really bizarre. Nothing ever happens, no transition, no change in human history ever seems to happen without bloodshed. And it was horrible. So many people were killed. Um, there were a lot of atrocities committed amongst uh, the former Indians, now Pakistanis and Indians. And how everyone at the end kind of just remembers, yay, we have our own country and waving the Pakistan flag. And the other side is like, yay, we have our own country, sovereign and whatever, waving the Indian flag. While so many people on both sides have been killed. And it, it was just, 
I, I don't know. For me, it was it was a history lesson. It was almost a documentary. It, it, it was like a reenactment of historical facts. It wasn't so much a film that had proper narrative flow. Even though it does, you know, it does have narrative flow, but there's like no emotional connection to this film whatsoever. Even though you see horrible things happen and you see that people's life are basically just like uprooted and moved to somewhere else because some dude somewhere else who you don't know them but they they decide to all of a sudden draw a new line on the map and all of a sudden it means you're no longer in fucking india but you're in pakistan and because you're not a muslim or you choose to remain indian you have to fucking move i mean there's a section in 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 the film where it's basically up to every single citizen of british india to decide which citizenship they want to take Pakistan or India and they literally just walk in there and decide they just go like Pakistan India and then you see that these people that have been living together that have been friends and working together all of a sudden they live in different countries because they choose different countries and it's really on the one hand I think this should be really heart-wrenching and and and, and horrible but it, it was just I looked at it in a very in a very unemotional almost objective kind of way going like well yeah that kind of makes sense you choose this you choose that it's it's kind of horrible that that it separates the two of you you've been working together for i don't know decades and now all of a sudden you are going to be living in separate countries um it's just a really it's really bizarre it's, it's really hard to explain it's like the, the, the kind of film this is i didn't find it emotional at all even though um something happens to Alia she she basically um, has to leave the viceroy's house because she has to move to now Pakistan right because she's Muslim and Jeet is uh, Indian and he lets her go and thinks that she's going to safety and then something happens and and she's presumed dead um, and they reconnect later on um, not that that's a big spoiler that is just so fucking obvious seriously everyone knew that that was gonna happen all right so this is i'm not opening a spoiler section for this but i wasn't really emotionally involved because it was just so it almost felt like it was too melodramatic which is why you knew exactly what was gonna happen um i'm not i'm not sure whether i would have any kind of an emotional connection to either of these two um, and that sounds really horrible when you think about what actually takes place in this film. Um, to me, it was more just looking at the horrors of it. It was basically a transition period it turned into a war period or a riot period. So badly so that um, the Viceroy and his wife, like Gillian Anderson, they all had to... Uh, basically make emergency supplies and rations for all these displaced people because everything just went to hell in a handbasket and as in regards to the historical lesson that we're being taught in the Viceroy's house I think it's a really good film to see you don't have to go and see it in the cinema I mean there's no amazing visuals or amazing action scenes or something like that it's a very somber film um, I think that actually, yeah, that, that sums it up quite well. It's very somber. I didn't find it very emotional. It's retelling 
um, something. Uh, it, it's retelling the the a, a time of great upheaval and change of how India, as we know it today, has been created, and how Pakistan, how we know it today, has been created, and the process that that goes through. And the most interesting thing I thought was the political machinations that were happening there. You know, some dude was basically just really gunning for having his own country, Pakistan. And you find out how you find out later that it wasn't actually Mountbatten who sorted that out. It was something that Churchill had sort of already promised certain parts of the Indian population, like the Muslim population, that they were going to get their own their own country. So Mountbatten seriously had nothing whatsoever. He had no control over this entire process. He just went there. He was officially the person who did it, but unofficially he had no fucking control over it. Other people had already made the plans and he was just there to basically push the button to make it happen. And horrible things happened because of it. Overall, I, I thought it was a bit, <clears throat> it was a bit lackluster. I expected a bit more. I wanted it to be more emotionally engaging. If, if something like this happens, like you, you have people losing their homes and losing their relatives and their families. I mean, there's one dude that we meet very early on in the film, um, and I can't remember whether he was Hindu or Sikh. Well, he was, he's an Indian, and he's working for the Viceroy. And his entire family gets killed by the Muslim uprising when the whole thing starts. It's like, oh, are we going to separate India? Are we going to partition India into Pakistan and India? Or are we just going to take it, like, leave it as one thing? And it's, it's just horrible, the things that happen there. And yet, for some reason, I was not emotionally engaged. I just took it in as fact. I, I just, I observed it as a very dispassionate observer, which is really bizarre when you watch a film in the cinema. Um, so, I'm not entirely sure whether I would I would recommend it. Um, I think if it was if if it wasn't in the cinema and if you didn't have to pay like 10, 15 quid to go and see it, um, if it's on Netflix or something, go and check it out. It's quite informative as to what happened there and how stuff happened. But I think uh, in regards to if 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 we want it to be more like a documentary to give you a lot of fact and how everything just fits together and how everything happened. Viceroy's house is not it. There, there are some facts in there, and I'm not entirely sure whether they're correct or romanticized or whatever they, whatever happened, right? But it feels like it's not factual enough to be a borderline documentary or historical factual film, what you might call it. Um, but on the other hand, it's also not really a like um, I don't like using the word romanticized, like a romanticized narrative of what happened there and having it personalized by having Jeet and Aaliyah go through what's happening there and having them be of different backgrounds and, and basically be separated because of the partition of India. For whatever reason, the film just... that I, I think it is because we are not entirely certain who our protagonists are. You have Mountbatten and his wife, and you have Jeet and Aaliyah. So you have these four people. You also have Mountbatten's daughter. Um, but all of them, none of them are really fleshed out. Um, you don't really care for them much. They're just there to, you know, they, they're just a functioning character. 
just like you know sometimes you have a functioning character because they they deliver a lot of exposition that's absolutely needed in order for people to understand the film and that's kind of what the film feels like none of the characters are flushed out or have depth or we care about them they're all just there to perform their function and with Jeet and Alia if they had if if Chada, director Chada, had made her, had made both of them more into protagonists, easily identifiable that these two are our protagonists and everything around them, you know, Mountbatten and, and, and his wife, they just function as secondary characters because we have Jeet and Alia and we live through them and we experience the partition of India through them. But I guess because Chada also wanted to show the political machinations and, and, and all of the stuff that happened on that level, that is obviously something that Jida and Leah wouldn't be privy to, so you wouldn't really be able to show that as much. So it, it feels like a bit of a, a bit of a disconnect between the romantic couple component and the more factual, historical, political and emotional component of the Mountbatten's and, and the political landscape. And for whatever reason, those two just don't gel really well. They feel like two separate things. None of them really work on their own. They don't work together for sure. And so it feels like you, you, you're being thrown some historical information. And it's, it's, not really, it's like someone's preparing a meal for you. And they're just giving you like every tiny little bit separately instead of putting it together on a nice plate. Um, that's a really shit allegory, but you know, hopefully you know what I mean. It just, it doesn't really flow really well together. Uh, it was really bizarre. It felt like you were watching, not necessarily watching two films, but you weren't entirely sure who you were supposed to be rooting for. On the one hand, you had Mountbatten and he was just trying to do the right thing. But he, it was out of his hands because of all the plans that were already in motion that he basically kickstarted by arriving. Um, it's almost like they made him a scapegoat or something. And then you have the servants and you're not entirely sure why you should be feeling for them because they literally just met. And then we have to believe that they are in love with each other that quickly. And it, it just, nothing feels real it's it just everything feels like well the script says so um it doesn't have a natural progression or a natural conclusion everything is like well we have to go from a to b to c to d it feels like a proper biopic even though it's not really a biopic because it's not about one person it is about an event and i think that's the problem with the film that you don't personalize it there's no personification with one or two people. It's, you have a few protagonists that you need, but none of them are fully fleshed out and have depth and are there and, and work as the avatar for the audience. And I think overall that is kind of the downfall of, of Viceroy's house because the, the event is there, the history is there, the, the drama and the conflict is there, and it would be fantastic. But the problem is that as a viewer, I just didn't really feel engaged by it. and sure as hell I didn't feel emotionally engaged by it and considering what we what we see happening what we hear happening horrible stuff that should emotionally engage me but it didn't and that is overall why I think the film kind of failed at 
engaging me and uh, I just wasn't captured by it. I thought it was quite interesting what we learned, but overall I felt most of the stuff that I learned about the event was in the cue cards later on. So you could have just given me like a 10 minute film and a couple of cue cards and that would have had the same effect on me. So overall, I think the film is very ineffectful, if that's even a word, um, which is a bit of a shame. Though sometimes maybe if the director is a bit too closely involved with something, it just, they lack certain objectivity. Um, I know that sounds really weird, but um, I was thinking of Scorsese's silence as well because that was such a passion project for him and then obviously Viceroy's house is a passion project for Gorinda Chada and I'm like, maybe maybe it's because it's too much of a passion project that while you're filming it, you're not as objective as you maybe should be and especially in the editing process when you're checking it all together maybe you're not as objective as you should be you can't be because you're too involved it's like you need someone there that has a look over the film and tells you like mate that you might find this interesting this might work for you you might be totally involved with this i mean obviously the director was involved with this because her grandmother was kind of going through this as a child um or was it grandmother as a child or was it the mother the great-grandmother then I can't remember but there, there's the emotional connection there's the personal emotional connection for the director and if you don't have that as the viewer it just doesn't work so I would really like to hear from someone who is maybe of Indian or Pakistani descent who has seen this film I would really like to know what they think of it if there is more of an emotional component there if that really gets to them if that hits home um, because for me, it just I thought that was a bit of a shame because I really wanted to like it and Considering what it's about. I feel like I should kind of like it because it's horrible um, But it, it kind of reminds me of, of a film that I watched like a few months ago. I had to review it It's called bitter harvest um, I'm not even sure whether it has like a cinema release um, in Germany. It's it's straight to uh, video straight to DVD um, apparently got really good critiques when I reviewed it I didn't give it a very good critique because I thought it was overly melodramatic and missed its point but what Bitter Harvest is about is um, about the Holodomor which is the basically the slaughter the genocide on the Ukrainian people by uh, Stalin and for that history lesson the film is really good it's really powerful content but the way that it was done the execution of the story and also the way it was edited together the film was overly melodramatic not that the viceroy's house is um the viceroy's house feels borderline unemotional um but bitter harvest was overly melodramatic um so much so that several critics that i was watching it with started laughing out loud during the screening um so yeah that wasn't good but just like with the Viceroy's House, uh, Bitter Harvest I thought was really important because of its content. But it's the execution that kind of, you know, that disappoints a bit. While Bitter Harvest I think is, I don't really want to say a horrible movie, but it's not good. I gave it two out of five stars and I only, I basically gave it one star for the film and a second star because the content that it's trying to depict was so fucking important. But that's what it was. 
um, and vice versa house again also really important content about what what's happening there but the execution feels not lackluster but it feels unemotional and overall that just doesn't work for me and with that in mind <clears throat> i want to talk about the other film that i've seen this week which is called free fire now i know not a lot of people know what the hell that's about but because i'm talking about how viceroy's house is quite unemotional and i had no real connection to anyone and therefore it didn't really work for me as a film because it didn't fully engage me the funny thing is that free fire also was almost unemotional i didn't really care about any of the characters in the film but i love this movie it is so over the top so what's free fire about it's it's an action comedy um it's ba basically you have Im imagine you, you have two gangs of criminals one of them wants to buy some illegal the other one wants to sell some illegal weapons they meet in a warehouse and they want to do the deal and then some shit happens and they start shooting at each other that's free fire and the way that it was done it's by a guy by a guy called ben wheatley i've never heard of this guy before um he does and his, he also co-wrote the screenplay and he does a really he made a really wonderful film it stars brie larson hello again Charlotte Copley. If you don't know who this guy is, you have to look him up. We have Army Hammer, Killian Mur Murphy, and Jack Raynor. And um, it's a fantastic film. It's over the top. It's bullshit. It's insane. It's nonsensical. It's ridiculous. It is absolute bonkers. It has some of the best lines that you can think of. It is. It's just utter, utter bullshit but in a fun way. So what, like I said, what happens is you have these two, two gangs and they want to do this, uh, the trade, buy, buy some weapons. So Charlton Copley is the leader of the one gang and he's like after the money, he's selling the, he's selling the weapons. And you have Army Hammer, Brie Larson, and uh, I can't remember the other dude. They, they're on the other team, they're, they basically just want to buy the, uh, the weapons. And the guys on Army Hammer's side, just a lackey that was hired for the day to carry the weapons from one truck to the other, he knows the driver of the other gang who shows up with the weapons. And they have a bit of a history because the first dude showed up with a shiner, right, with a black eye. And, he, and it turns out he got that from the other guy. So they don't like each other. The, the driver from the other team, he basically immediately wants to kill Shiner guy, right? But people get in, in between and go like, whoa, 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 what the fuck's going on? We're here to make a deal? What, what the hell? Just chill, all right? Turns out Shiner guy glassed the driver's um, cousins, yeah, the driver's cousin the previous night because she wouldn't give Shiner guy a blowjob. That's the official story. I'm doing air quotes. That's the official story, right? And everyone's like, whoa, what the fuck's wrong with you? So everyone's kind of like, Shiner, what's up with you? I don't know why I'm calling him Shiner. That just happened. Okay. Um, so there is certain animosity happening there. And then there's a couple of ups that happen. And then the shootout just starts happening. Right. And all of a sudden, everyone's shooting at everyone. And then amongst the two gangs, like each gang has kind of like 
two sub gangs as well like people that like each other and people that don't like each other and then everyone's just like throwing shit at each other and shooting at each other and it's like a bar fight but with guns so everyone gets like shot in the leg at one point pretty quickly so that no one can actually run or walk everyone's just dragging themselves across the floor trying to hide between b behind shit and that includes Brie Larson. She also gets shot. Just because she's the only lady in the film doesn't mean that she doesn't get shot. And it is so fucking bonkers. And there's some amazing lines that happen in the film. Everyone's just like throwing shit at each other, both literally and, and verbally. It is just so bonkers. And in the middle of all of that, like all the characters are really funny and interesting. But you have to do, if you don't know who Charlotte Copley is, you have to IMDb him. Every film that I've seen this guy in, he's fucking fantastic. And he is just, like I said, all of the performances are really good. But his performances stand out for me because he, he just puts on a really weird accent. And he he just has one of the weirdest, quirkiest lines. That he comes up with some shit that I can't even really tell you. It's like you gotta experience it. There's just no way around it. It's like his performance is fantastic. Um, He's just really quirky and weird and bizarre and ballsy and just so fucking funny, but also deadly and, and, and captivating and engaging. He, he's just awesome. I love this dude. I don't think I've ever seen him in a film where I didn't like his performance. He, oh, by the way, um, I think his breakout thing, sort of um, what most people will know him from, is District 9, um, Neil Blomkamp's uh, first film. He was uh, the lead in that. And I, I love Charlotte Copley. And I'm not sure whether it's the script, whether the script was so well written, because some of the dialogue, it's just, I was sitting in an almost sold out cinema watching this and people were laughing their asses off. And not because the film is shit or laughable, but because it's just so funny. Like some of the one-liners they're shouting at each other and some of the stuff that, it's, it's really hard to explain, but there's even a scene where someone throws like a rock or some some kind of rubbish at another person and it, it smacks them square in the head and they just go down. And this sounds really rubbish, but it was so fucking funny the way that happened. And I'm not doing it justice. This film is just so out there and bonkers and crazy it's really fucking violent as well like there's a lot of blood because everyone gets shot like there's not a single person at the end of the film who doesn't have a bullet somewhere in their body and that's also kind of the funny bit because everyone just gets shot it's like oh in the shoulder oh in the arm oh in the leg and this this running joke is like oh don't worry you've got like 90 minutes before you bleed out and and just stuff like that it's it's just they're in a warehouse in an abandoned warehouse and then they're like they're robbing like they're crouching and crawling across the floor and one person ends up with like an old syringe in their hand because obviously it's a bit an abandoned warehouse and it's just like oh disgusting gross or oh. it's like of all the shit that could happen um and it, it's just great action even though it's not fast-paced because no one can fucking walk let alone run and just just having everyone hobble across this bloody warehouse and to make it even better, like seriously, you, you have that, you have two parties shooting at each other from all kind of different angles. How do you make that even more insane? How do you up the ante? Well, you bring in a third party that shoots at everyone else 
and it's like what the fuck is that and then all of a sudden like everyone else just has like um like pistols and stuff shooting at each other and all of a sudden there's like two guys showing up with fucking machine guns and it's like who the fuck are these people say so, are they with you it's like no they're not with me it's like why the fuck they shooting at us i have no fucking clue and then they the two gangs that have just been shooting at each other then kind of combine you know this whole thing is like well you're an enemy the enemy of my enemy is my friend and they kind of try and take out that third party and then after they've done that they go back to shooting at each other and killing each other in the most gruesome ways that you can do. and oh it's, it's just nothing's really a spoiler here Look, you can't really spoil it because it's just so bonkers and fun because of the minutiae that happens throughout the film throughout the entire fucking scene that is happening there and I'm not gonna give away the ending it's, it's really cool it's it's I'm not sure whether I would say it's satisfactory I was like oh wow okay Th there's one person that kind of gets away or does that person get away and I thought it was interesting who that was um, but everything that happens in there is just so bonkers and fun and once the arm still goes sideways everyone just wants to grab the suitcase with the cash no one gives a shit about the weapons anymore. Everyone just wants a suitcase. And I'm pretty sure that the way the film ends, I'm, I'm always half expecting, it's like, is there going to be a sequel? <clears throat> because something happens there where I'm like, mm, you know, we, we, we need to find out, it's like, who was the third party? And are they truly alone? And, and all of that stuff. There's easily, I think there's easily a setup for, for a sequel. Um, some people die in the film. Some people kind of, they just remain on the floor of the warehouse. I'm not sure whether they're actually dead. One person kind of hobbles out of it. But I would really like to see what happens after. I'm not sure if I'm just giving it too much credit. Um, maybe this is just the ending and it's not a setup for a sequel. But it's just so fucking bonkers. It's, it's kind of hard to explain what type of film this is. It's, it, okay, it's definitely an action film, even though there's not a lot of like fast-paced action. You have, like I said, you have people crawling across the floor of an abandoned warehouse trying to shoot each other because there is a suitcase of money. We, I'm not entirely sure whether they tell us how much it is, but there's shitloads of money somewhere in a suitcase and everyone wants it. And then just basically wants to bugger off and go home. And this film lives off its performances, it lives off its dialogue and the delivery, and it is fucking fantastic. I had so much fun. In, in a nonsensical way like seriously there's not much story the only story is is like there's two pe two gangs of people they want to do an arms deal and it goes bad and not a lot of people survive that's basically your story but it's not about the story it is about the characters it is about what happens and what they say to each other and how they say it and what they do and all these tiny little tidbits that just make it all work and i think the film wasn't even very long it might just be like a 90 minute film but it's just it's so well done. It sets up the characters at the start when they meet each other and then you have new characters coming in. And then it doesn't really matter. You you understand, okay, this, this person's like that, 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 that. Then Charlton Copley goes in and is like, what the hell is going on? Everyone loved his character. I don't think there was anyone in the cinema who didn't like his character. He was fantastic. And I, I highly recommend him. Like, I think it's not officially out. I watched it at an unlimited screening at Cineworld. Um, oh, we also got five or ten... Uh, it must have been like ten minutes of Ghost in the Shell footage before the film started. 
that looked fucking fantastic. Like I usually don't want to see the start of a film when I go and see it a week or two later, but it looked really cool. It looked really cool in 3D as well. Now I know this whole outcry about Scarlett Johansson not being Asian, and I do agree, but just from a film standalone point of view, um, it looks great. I have to watch it. I, I know the anime, I, I read the manga. It was one of the first ones I've ever seen slash read. Um, I gotta watch it. Would I prefer there to be an Asian actress headlining the film? Yes, I would. But it's not up to me. Unfortunately, studio bosses and executives and financiers, they want a big name. And that is unfortunately how the business works and it's shit. It is shit, but that is how it currently is. So yes, I will be watching Ghost in the Shell. It looked fantastic, so um, can't wait to see that. Remember, the highlight this week, definitely Free Fire. I also went to see another film I had to review, Lady Macbeth. I can't really talk about it because it's embargoed, I think, till April. Um, so I'll, I'll have to revisit that whenever that comes out. Um, but yeah, that, that was an interesting one as well. So Viceroy's House, I would probably give that a miss in the cinema. It's not worth it spending 10, 15 quid on it. Check it out when it's on Netflix. Free Fire, as soon as that's out in the cinema, just make sure you, you grab a huge bucket of popcorn, go in there and just have fun. It is so fucking fantastic. I really, really loved it. This is how you write a film. This is how you write dialogue. This is how you write characters. I would really like to sit down with Charlotte Copley and talk to him about what was in the script and what was his creation of his character, of his dialogue, of all the shit that he does. Like he has this weird accent where people go like, oh no, he's Swiss. It's like, why is he South African? Whatever it is. It's just, he just for his performance alone, you have to go and watch Free Fire. And then in addition to that, you get really quirky, funny dialogue. You get some interesting action. Uh, you have Brie Larson again uh, in an interesting role. She, she's more of a side character, unfortunately. Um, well, she's got a lot to do. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there are actually any side characters. For me, the standout was Charlotte Copley. But I'm not sure. I don't think there's really a lead. It's an ensemble. And like everyone shoots at everyone and anyone could die. And if you want to find out who is the last person standing, you have to go and watch it. And I think you should go and watch it anyways, because it was fucking awesome. It was bonkers. Um, and with that, uh, I have a very short weekly watch this week. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I only talked about two films and I'm at about the 42 minute mark. Woohoo! Um, next week, I will try to go and see, well, two horror films actually, and I'm not a horror film person, so there you go. Um, Get Out is out. I can't wait to see that. There's a lot of hype about this film at the moment and I hope it lives up to it. And the other one is Personal Shopper, the new film with Kristen Stewart. I didn't even know that it was going to be out this soon, but it's out. So hopefully I'll get to see one of these two. Um, I don't think anything else is out. Um, if not, maybe I'll start talking a bit more about TV, even though I don't really have a lot of uh, a chance to watch a lot of TV at the moment. So next week, hopefully get out and Personal Shopper. Don't forget, you can email me at weeklywatchcast at gmail.com. That's weeklywatchcast is all one word at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter as Melanie Radloff. Um, go and see Free Fire. If you haven't seen it already, go and see Kong Skull Island. 
that's awesome as well. There's, there's a lot of popcorn blockbustery stuff that I'm talking about right now. Like we just had the Oscars. There was like a lot of Oscar buzz in the last few weeks, last few months. So now we're doing the, the whole popcorn blockbuster stuff. So go and watch Kong, go and watch Free Fire. I hope you have a lovely weekend and a great start into the new week. I will see you guys next week. Bye.